Hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I am your host, Eric Nevins, and I'm deeply grateful that you have downloaded this show. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, definitely, if you haven't subscribed in Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app that you use, go ahead and do that to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. I get to the pleasure of introducing you to our guest today. Uh, he is the writer and director of the films Bring Up Bobby and Between the Walls. He's also written a novel called Cradle Robber, and now he's the host of one of my new favorite podcasts, Truce. He's going to tell us all about that. His name is Chris Starin. Chris, welcome to Halfway There. Oh, thanks for having me, Eric. I'm so glad to uh, connect with you and get a chance just to hear a little bit more of your story. We've been friends on Facebook for a little while and, and getting to know each other. And uh, you're doing some cool stuff. I can't wait to hear more about it. Well, tell us more about what God has you doing now. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I, well, I'm doing the Truce podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's a show that uh, tries to use journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. So we explore a lot of like sometimes sticky issues, mm-hmm. uh, like our ties to politics uh, and uh, like when what happens when people predict the end times and they're wrong those kinds of questions Uh, and also look into a lot of interesting christian history uh because in the last couple years i've become a history nut and i just find all these stories and i'm like the world needs to know (laughs) um and so it's it's just been a great deal of fun yeah uh, when when you say journalistic tools what do you mean by that uh so research Uh and be able to back things up with fact and then hopefully not always pick a side uh, you know, and, and that's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, I do sometimes pick a sign, <laughs> but try not always to, to force that. Um, and that's, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Uh, try to be level-headed and, and actually research what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you're doing your best to approach different issues from an objective standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. With, with still a Christian, um, Maybe not bent isn't the right word, but a Christian perspective. Right. Yeah. And actually it look at us as Christians because we spend a lot of time looking out. Uh, and so it's good sometimes to be like, how did we get to be the way we are? Where did we get this belief mm-hmm. from? Uh, like I did a, an episode, a series about uh, Hanukkah. And one of the things you hear all the time around Christmas is, oh, it's, it's just Merry Christmas. You can't say Happy Holidays or you know, anything like that. But really, Hanukkah has some biblical roots to it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's something that we could celebrate if we wanted to. We don't have to. Uh, but I think that if more Christians knew what it was about, uh, we wouldn't be so hostile to other holidays uh, you know, sharing December. Yeah. Like, even New Year's, you know, <laughs> a non-religious holiday like New Year's. Some of yeah. us get bent out of shape. But um, so the hope is to try to like speak into those moments of hurt and confusion and try to bring some light in there and hopefully undo some of the knots we've tied up. Yeah, totally. Because we've tied up some knots. There's definitely wow. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the whole thing with politics, Christians and politics has really boxed the church into some corners that yeah. I don't think are legitimate that we, we really don't want to be there. Right. Well, yeah. it's true because uh, it, I mean, it comes down to what is your main idea of what our, our job is as Christians. Is it, is it to like make the world look like we want it to look like, or is it to share the gospel? Uh, and, and I think that we have to pay more attention to our witness and how we act. What, what we, what does it say 
uh, when we act a certain way, you know, like, you know, my actions, like I'm, uh, I drive a school bus as a, as my full-time job and, uh, which is very glamorous, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I'm always convicted. I'm not very good at it, but I'm always convicted. Like these kids are good. Might find out that I'm a Christian. Um, or the coaches that I had to drive on these sports trips might find out I'm a Christian. And if I'm not driving safely or, you know, if I'm being a jerk, they're going to call me out, you know, or yeah. it's going to reflect poorly on Christ. Uh, so we always have to be thinking about how, to, how does my behavior represent Christ? Um, and uh, I think that's, that's very important because ultimately the gospel is the most important thing we can have in this world. So we got to protect it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of my big things lately has been saying that the kingdom of God and the interests of the United States of America do not always match, right? They're not the it's same true. thing. And I think we've made that mistake trying to you know make the rest of the country feel like or be part of the kingdom of God, even if they're not. And so that's, right. uh, yeah, uh, or doing it politically. So I think what you say there is great. We We can have much bigger impact based on our own behavior, our own witness, our own sharing of the gospel, even if it's, was it, is it Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words? Yeah, you know, that's not actually attributed to him. They can't oh, find is, that. Oh, they don't writing. know who it is? Um, but it's it's one of those things that's attributed, but not Like how Mark directly. Twain said everything? Yeah, they can't tell you where it's from. Oh, that's you good. Know? Well, yeah. it's a great quote. It is, yeah. We'll leave it at that. But, uh, <laughs> but it does... Uh, it, it confuses people sometimes. I, I would love to do an episode on that, but uh, it, it does confuse people because you do have to share the gospel verbally yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know? So some people downplay it and be like, no, I can be a good person. Yeah, you, you should be a good person, but you also <laughs> might have to verbally share the gospel right. and be open to that. Right. You yeah. should, you should. Indeed. Okay. Um, all right. So let's get into your story. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So... Uh, how, you know, I don't know, you're, you're in Wyoming now. Did you grow up there? Yeah. No, I grew up in Ohio. Okay. Uh, between Cleveland and Akron. That's why um, I like you. You're a good Midwest guy. <laughs> yes. And I've got the guilt to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. Tell us all about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, uh, it's just one of those things, you know, every Midwest kid has a little bit of guilt, you know, oh, I'm not close enough to the family. Oh, you know, I should yeah. have a better job or whatever. But uh, yeah, I grew up in Ohio and I have uh, two brothers, one of which is an identical twin. And uh, he's, he's probably the greatest asset I have in this world. Um, he's, uh, uh, we, we hike all the time together. We, we actually made both of those films together. And all of our, uh, we made a DVD of animated shorts and we made a, another DVD of short films. And we did all those together. Um, and uh, he uh, goes over a lot of my podcast episodes so that I... If I'm like, does this make any sense at all? He will tell me straight out whether it makes sense or not. And he's, he's a really, he's been a gift. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, and my parents are uh, very supportive of us and always have been. It's, uh, it's kind of a remarkable thing. You know, you feel like there has to be some kind of incredible angst to be involved in the media. And it's like, no, I, I had great parents. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was really fortunate. Yeah, that is that is fantastic. So, was your family religious growing up? Yeah. So, um, my parents, um, my parents, their their story is the story of Greece, the musical Greece. Um, 
So my dad was literally a greaser, but in the 70s, way after it was cool to be a greaser. <laughs> and my mom was the good girl, you know, from the Protestant family. Um, and they, you know, did all sorts of crazy things. But uh, my, we kind of started out when I was young, what I can remember being kind of bouncing between like Catholic churches and Protestant churches and trying to find a good one. And then my dad got pulled into this um, reformed church and uh, went to like a men's retreat. And uh, that's really when we as a family, in, in my, from my perspective, started to get involved and, and start to really uh, follow the Lord together as a family uh, to the point where like every dinner for a few years, we would, one of us would pull out a Bible quote and be like, I, re- I was reading this and this is what spoke to me. So each one of us had to make a presentation. Yeah. You know, once a week or something, uh, just like this is a Bible verse that has really been talking to me, which was cool. That's um, cool. But uh, um, you know, there comes a time when everybody has to own their faith for themselves. Yeah. And uh, so that, praise God, like it was the first day I ever went skiing. Um, <laughs> and I live in a ski town now in Wyoming, so yeah. this kind of fits. But uh, I, I did a flip i didn't want to but i did a flip (laughs) and like really hurt my neck and i had a headache and a shoulder ache and i was 10 years old and i get home for my first day of skiing and my mom says uh we're all gonna go see this play uh i'm like i don't want to go see a play and i i'm in pain but she pulled us all there um and it was a play called heaven's gates and hell's flames uh which meant many of your listeners may be familiar with, but it is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's like half the stage represents heaven, half the stage represents hell. And you have all these sort of death experiences where people die in a car crash or whatever. Uplifting. And then, yeah. Well, it was exactly what 10 year old Chris Starin needed to hear. Nice. Uh, okay. That's good. Know? And so some people get a little bit upset about that kind of, uh, heaven and hell message, but it, it's effective, you know, and really I'm, I'm all for it. If, you know, if God calls you to that, go for it. But, uh, so they, you know, presented a very clear gospel message. Um, and, uh, my brother and I, Nick and I both went forward that day, um, and, you know, gave us a little New Testament and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where I, uh, uh, started owning the, the faith for myself, which was incredible. That was the salvation day, uh, when I was 10 years old. Um, and praise God, uh, been walking with him for 26 years now. Awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did you grow in your faith then? Cause it's different, you know, as a, as a 10 year old, you know, as you're going into that, um, you know, preteen and teenage years, what was that like for you? And how did, how did you learn to walk with the Lord? Yeah, no, I was, I was really blessed because I got that pocket new, new Testament and, um, I started reading it for myself. I'm one of those people that I just kind of want to see what the base material is. I want to go back to the source if I can. Um, and so I started reading it, the Bible for myself and being like, what does this thing actually say? And uh, so we did that. And then I was part of um, Campus Crusade or camp, well, Campus Life group in high school and had a lot of really intelligent people speaking into me. And I was listening to Christian radio a lot. Uh, so I got sort of this like, free theological education. I didn't have to go to college. Um, But it wasn't like until I got to college that um, my faith kind of got pushed uh, and tested 
because uh, Nick and I both went to this very secular, very liberal school called Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York. Okay. Um, and uh, and there we were like the 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 total minority. Like there were very very few Christians that went to this college. Um, so you'd be literally in a math class, and somebody would knock Christianity, and you'd be like, "What?" I, I thought we were doing algebra. What's going on? Why are we talking about this? Um, and so uh, it, it it was like the rubber hit the road, met the road, and it was like we suddenly have to stand up for our faith in every class, um, which was – it was a great training ground, honestly, um, to be able to go out there and, and just kind of exist and, and survive in this environment. Yeah. So you mentioned the math class, but can you give us like a specific example? Do you remember a time when you had to kind of be Christ in, in a secular place that you thought, oh, wow, this is, this is maybe more than I, I knew to expect? Oh gosh. I mean, there were a lot, you know, even in, there was even in a, uh, there was this chapel on campus and it was, uh, it housed like the Jewish community, the Protestant community and the Catholic community. And, uh, they would have, um, these, these, uh, pastors would come in and, and work. But the, the two ladies that were there while I was there, uh, who are the Protestant chaplains, neither of them believed in the Bible or that Christ was uh, the savior. Um, and wow. so Nick and I were constantly standing up in the chapel and correcting them. <laughs> wow. Uh, which is just, you know, like you would have a chance to speak from time to time. And like Nick gave this one where he just like, his whole presentation was basically correcting the, the wrongful things this lady had been saying. Wow. Um, the chaplain had been saying. Um, so it, I don't know. There were a lot of times that we had to, we had to step up. We even called out when they were looking for a new chaplain. Uh, we were not invited to the meeting with the other students because I, I think they thought we were going to be rabble rousers. And so somebody <laughs> leaked it to us and we went anyway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, and called out all these, cause there were all these pastors from the churches in the community who were picking the new chaplain. And oh, so yeah. we're like, you guys, you got to ask them, do you believe that, Christ, you know, is the Messiah and do you believe in the Bible and those kinds of things? And they picked another chaplain like the old one. Um, so it, there was always this tension, even in the Christian community to be like, we, we gotta, we gotta actually be Christians. Otherwise this is just a weird social club, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how did that experience shape you and kind of the way you see the world? Yeah. Uh, well, partially like, uh, going to a very secular college, I mean, you can have a couple of different ways you can go where you can get angry and be like, those people out there have an agenda. Yeah. Um, right. Which, As if you don't. Yeah, exactly. I love but, that. Uh, you know, or you can go in and be like, I, I need to figure out how to reach these people. Um, and I think that uh, Nick and I both went in kind of like going into war and then, uh, and then we started realizing, no, these, these people need Christ just as much as I do. You know, these people are not yeah. the devil. They are just in need of Christ, you know. Um, and so that, that was a huge revelation for us um, to be able to hopefully like separate people's political um, and ideological ideas away from who they are uh, and their need for Christ. Uh, so um, I like to say it's, it's important to be hard to offend. 
you know, mm-hmm. like you don't, you don't want to be easy to offend because then you just shut out whoever you're talking to uh, and you don't actually end up sharing the gospel with that person. You're just like, well, I can dismiss them because they believe in this thing, you know, and that's just nonsense. Um, yeah. So like it helped me to try to stop alienating people with things that are not that important a lot of the times. You know? Yeah. Which, you know, is a really important skill and we could use a lot more of it, but it sounds like for you, then that started really early. That was kind of, it's always been part of your, part of your yeah. MO, part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, praise God. It's, it's, it's been good. I was a bit of a Pharisee in high school. Um, so I was, I was not as good <laughs> and I still have my weak moments now. Let me be clear. But, yeah, well, uh, what does that mean? You're a bit of a Pharisee. Like you just thought everybody should know and believe like you. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause I, I, I spent a lot of time researching theology, which is great. It's a good practice, mm-hmm. but, um, I, anybody who did not believe in Christ was, you know, I was kind of in that enemy mode where it's like, Oh, well, they don't know. And they're just dragging society down, Yeah, you know, but, uh, that's, you know, not a healthy way to look at it really. What, what was the, so besides going to the college, like, was there a reason that you switched from one to the other? Like what, how did, cause that's a really a pivotal uh, moment in your spiritual journey going yeah. from, Hey, everybody needs to believe like I do to, I need to reach them. Oh, is it changed? Yeah, I, so like, I, why? Well, I think a lot of it, there was this guy and if Craig, if you're out there, I'm going to find you on a podcast episode, but there was the campus crusade for Christ leader, which is now crew um, yeah. at our college. Um, and, uh, he was, he was very good at pushing us in directions we needed to go, but didn't want to go, mm. uh, which made him somewhat unpopular with everybody else. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was very healthy. Um, and I think there were, there were a lot of things that he did that pushed me in that direction. Like my freshman year of college, I was very much in that group of people uh, in that uh, chapel situation. Uh, you know, a lot of wishy-washy Christians and and then uh, we had a little bit of a falling out over a theological debate, which was an important one. And then walked up to dinner one night at the, one of the, the mess halls, and I hear a Jars of Clay song being played on a guitar. And I'm like, wait, there are no other Christians on this campus. <laughs> you know, where's the song coming from? And I ended up, what we walked through a gathering of Campus Crusade for Christ kids. Um, and, and, uh, so Nick and I headed on with our friends into the dining hall. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go join those people. Um, and I ended up making a whole new set of friends and they, they helped a lot. Um, but we kind of went from that closed off chapel group, the Protestant community is what they were called. But I went from them to the Campus Crusade, which was much more outreach based. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and this, of course, the other thing I think was in being in that college, I met all these people who believed things I had never heard of before. You know, <laughs> in my, in my small town, I had never really met a true liberal before because yeah. we were a very conservative town. Um, and so to get in there and be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that helped a lot. You gotta, you gotta listen when oh. you confront these people that you don't know what they're about. Cause it's like, uh, how else can you connect? Um, yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. Wow. That is very interesting. So in some ways you had some good mentors and a good community that, that drove you to, you know, see what, um, you know, how to love people. And then also you kind of had to in that, you know, by getting exposed to new things, Mm 
Right. Uh, you sort of, it changes the thing. That's interesting. That makes me think about, uh, you know, friends, maybe we need to not be so siloed in our, in, in our, uh, you know, Christian communities. It's lovely to have Christian music and Christian teaching and podcasts. Obviously I make one. I'm, I'm super excited about that, but maybe we need to get outside of that from time to time to challenge us as well. You know, there was, I hate to bring up a 9-11 story, but um, we were, I was in college. It was my uh, sophomore year when, when that happened. And um, so that, that Protestant community, that chapel community, thought it would be a great idea to have um, a prayer session for anybody who wanted to come together and pray, which is a great idea. I'm all for that. But they held it in a locked building. Uh, and so they, they, and I, when I, talk to them about that they're like oh it's okay if they want to get in they'll find a way in it's like that's that says a lot about us as a christian community like the the campus crusade group was out sharing the gospel and just being on campus we were split up and we're just going around campus being with people yeah um whereas this protestant community group was in a locked building thinking well they'll, they'll find a way to get to us uh <laughs> which is how a lot of us function in the christian world yes. where it's like you know, if these people want to learn about Jesus, they'll come on a Sunday morning and they'll come dressed well and they'll, you know, sit in somebody's pew that, you know, it's not like somebody's seat that they always sit at. Then, then we'll share the gospel with them. But no, it's like, we got to take every opportunity we can. If God opened the door, run through it and go, you know, go be with the people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah well, well, obviously it's Christmas time when we're recording this, this will be out later, yeah. but, uh, Jesus, in many ways, is sort of the epitome of that, right? He did not, yeah. God did not wait for us to come to him. He tabernacled with us and he took on flesh in order to come and, and be among the people, in order to make us his people. That's, if that's not enough, you know, for us to feel like that should also be our uh, MO, I don't know what is. Right. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to be around people you disagree with. Yeah. But I think it's great, you know, if you can just cut through it and be like, they have their beliefs for a good reason or a reason that's good to them. And if I find out what those reasons are, I can find out what's important to them and I can really right. invest in them better as a person. Right. You know? There's also this expectation that everybody should be like us and yeah. not everybody is like us. As Not everybody's like me as much as I, I think the world would be a boring place if everybody was <laughs> was like yeah. me, right? So, yeah, I love that. I think this is, you're speaking my language, is right up my alley, Chris. I love it. Oh, okay. So how did you go from doing that? Oh, I don't even know what you studied. What did you study there when you were in college? Uh, Cinema and photography. So I I went to be, to make and produce movies. Yeah. Was that your, like, how did that become part of who you are? Like, how did that become part of your, like, this is what I want to do, your passion? Yeah. So uh, my brother and I in high school, we weren't good at a whole lot. Um, and, and so we, we started making these videos, uh, we called it the Thursday show. And every Thursday we would put out a video on our, our closed circuit television network in our school. This is pre YouTube. Yeah. Pre internet. <laughs> <laughs> right? We, I mean, we had the internet, but it was like, uh, AOL instant messenger right. and dial up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so the, yeah, we put it out and, most of the school hated the show. Uh, <laughs> and, but it was, Nick and I were, you know, we were Christians. We were making clean content. So we didn't even have uh, a supervisor on that. We just, 
they just trusted us to put on whatever we wanted to. Um, so we made these like three minute videos every for every Thursday. And, and then we're like, well, we could, we could do this, you know, we're pretty good at this. And so we ended up going uh, to film school uh, for that, which by the way, if you're interested in making movies, don't go to film school. It's unnecessary. <laughs> uh, it was a blessing know. in our life because it stretched us in our beliefs, but it's completely unnecessary for the trade. Um, completely unnecessary. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so we, we went to film school and then we, we started realizing like our freshman year, actually, that these films, because we had to make films for class and everybody had to watch them, that if we made these films about Jesus, then everybody had to watch them. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, it was a big deal. You had a captive uh, audience. Yeah, we had a captive audience. And you know, we, they're not the best movies. Uh, in fact, you can probably, if you have the DVD service for Netflix, you can probably still find them because they, they got picked up. Wow. Um, oh, that's but, pretty cool though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it's a collection called The Elephant. Um, our senior film had a live elephant in it. Um, and uh, <laughs> That's cool. It was very ambitious. Um, but uh, yeah, and then so we moved to Los Angeles. Uh, well, we interned in Los Angeles first through college. Like I, I interned on the Bernie Mac show, if you remember that. On yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then we moved to Los Angeles and worked on like the first season of Hell's Kitchen. Oh, r- uh, really? Yeah. Dude, I yeah. love Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, you do? <laughs> what did you do there? Well, you you got to tell me all about it because I have oh. this theory. Gordon Ramsay is sort of like uh, he's, he's like the chef version of Donald Trump, right? He's like kind of. He, kind of, yeah. But every once in a while he'll show like he'll be screaming at people in the kitchen. And then every once in a while they'll show this really tender moment, you know, like in his office or something. I was like, Oh, there's a lot more to this guy than, than they're showing you here. Yeah. Well, I, I think we signed like a non-disclosure agreement when we did it initially, but I, so you I can't was tell a, me anything. a production assistant and a stand, like a stand in for the lighting. So when they're lighting a set, um, you don't want like your high paid talent to be standing around while the lighting guys are adjusting things. So they'll hire somebody to stand in. Uh, who's being paid much less and is not important. So we were those people for a while. They don't care and, about boring uh, you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for the first season, we were the stand-ins for the contestants mostly. So we would stand there while the lighting guys are adjusting lights. Uh, and then literally we'd go play cards for 10 hours a day. Uh, <laughs> and then we'd come back for the hour they needed us and then we'd go home. Um, and then we got bumped up to production assistants. Uh, so that's the, you know, the people who run and get everything. Mm-hmm. Same pay as standing still and playing cards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but more work. I, more work. <laughs> I wish I hadn't been bumped up. And, and then my brother was a camera assistant for a little while on the first season. But, uh, and then for the, um, the, uh, the, that camera test for Gordon Ramsay, I actually put his makeup on for the first season just wow. once. Um, wow. Because they asked around, like, does anybody know how to do it? And our philosophy was always like, it doesn't matter whether I know how to do it or not. Just do it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I put on theater makeup before, and I'm like, sure, it can't be that difficult. Uh, so I, I put on Gordon Ramsay's makeup. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. It was pretty cool. And he was very nice to me. Uh, so I, I can't speak. I've never worked in his kitchen. Uh, right. But he was very nice to me. Very interesting. That's really cool, man. That's yeah. a cool experience. Yeah, yeah. We were really blessed. And um, like God was, we didn't make much money that first year i think nick and i both made like eight thousand dollars each wow uh, our first year working in hollywood um 
because we interned a lot or we uh, we volunteered a lot on films to try to build a network of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I worked on the the film, The Visitation, which is a pseudo Christian film. Yeah. Um, not a very good one. I'm, I, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we made a lot of connections on that movie. So um, yeah. And then Nick and I've got this offer uh, to make like to be financed on a, to make a Christian film of our own uh, from from a, a director of a reality show series that you would know if I said it, but I don't want to give it away to embarrass him. Sure. Um, <laughs> okay. He ended up reneging on his offer once we moved to Ohio to make the movie. Oh, um, wow. So, uh, uh, but so we were there in Ohio. We're like, we've got a script, you know, it, we've made shorts before short films and we kind of have some connections in the distribution world. We should just go for it. So that's how we made, between the walls, which is, uh, it was, it cost us about $30,000 to make, uh, which is absolutely nothing in the film world. Um, right. it's, a, it's about, people say like, uh, Napoleon dynamite. Well, it's a low budget film. That one cost about like 12 times what our film cost. Wow. Um, so like to give you an idea of what we were playing with, uh, and then we ended up making, bringing out Bobby, uh, shortly after. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so what was that like? Like, so you here you are. You're an artist, right? And you're this is what you believe you're called to do. What was that period like for you spiritually? It was dark. Really? <laughs> it was really dark. Uh, but I, I think you know it's it's difficult because you you watch these behind the scene videos of like the Sherwood Pictures films, like you know Courageous and. Um, facing the giants and all those. And, and what you see is a community coming together to help each other out and raise money for, to make a movie. We had none of that. At yeah. all. Uh, so it was isolating. It, it was very isolated. Um, we made basically no money. Like I was on the, uh, my dad uh, let us recycle some of the scrap metal for his business to, so that Nick and I could like survive. Um, and we had to live with our parents for five years, but we were, we were at the recycling center and there's dump trucks, you know, dumping loads of metal and stuff like that. And, and that's when uh, our distributor decided to call and make a deal with us. So like, we're trying to like huddle over the phone and block as much of the noise of just piles of metal being pushed around (laughs) while we're on the phone with these distributors. It was just it was, it was very, very humbling is the nice word for it, but uh, soul crushing was where I would probably go. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it was very difficult for us. Um, but, and then also, we were the oldest people. And we, I was like 23 when we made our first film, or maybe 22. We were the oldest people on the crew, uh, except for our sound guy on the, on the bringing up or between the walls. Wow. So, we're, we're leading these homeschool kids whose parents had let them off uh, of school for a month to make this movie. And uh, so we're trying to teach them how to do their jobs and also sort of be their parents because they're kids. And so we had to like police them and stuff like that. It was, it was a very difficult time. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and, and we never found the audience that uh, we needed in order to, make money, which sounds shallow. Um, but, uh, mm. if you want to move out of your parents' house, <laughs> there's a the thing you, ha- you and stop eating their food, you know, you have to make money. We don't, 
like to, you know, face that reality. I, well, I, I think we do. Okay. So you were talking no about how this was a dark season. Yeah. And you've, it was very isolating and you have to make money, right? Yeah. I think that vow of poverty that sometimes Christians take, uh-huh. uh, speaking of Francis of Assisi, um, right? This is like, it's a, it's a problem uh, and it hinders our artistry sometimes, right? Yeah, totally. So like, how did, how did you deal with that? And what, what was your, you know, kind of mindset around it? I didn't deal with it well. Uh, for a long time (laughs) because it seems like a real crushing blow again like if you're looking at the behind the scenes of facing the giants it's about how the church came together and buoyed them to make this movie and we didn't have that um we didn't have money from our church like the the movie was basically financed through us um and our our parents letting us live with them um so uh it didn't, it didn't work out well for a long time, but then I, uh, Nick and I started while we were working, uh, on distributing and editing, bringing out Bobby, uh, we started working for the Cleveland Indians, um, the baseball team. Oh, cool. And, and so we were in the scoreboard department and I would work all day on the movies. And then at night I would go to the ballpark and edit video for the Cleveland Indians scoreboard. No, oh, nice. Um, and, uh, which was a good job, uh, for the time. It was a pretty it was tough to go from working on something that you like to something that's just a job every day, which is exactly what I'm doing now with the podcast and driving a school bus. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, what you got to do. You yeah, got to, hey, you got to do those things to, you gotta to eat. get out the stuff that you want to make. So, um, so I mean, the main thing is to always be, and I'm, I'm working on this right now with myself is to always be grateful um, that, that God does provide for you because I, I've read stories, you know, I'm a school bus driver and I've read stories of people, um, some of these, you know, migrants trying to come from South America into the United States um, or from Africa up into Europe. And I've read stories where people will say, I'm hoping when I get to Europe, I can be a bus driver. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I've got this job handed to me and, you know, and I've got great coworkers and I've got health benefits and I've got all these things. And here I am dissatisfied. You yeah. Know, how dare I be dissatisfied with the way God's providing for me? Yeah, dude, that resonates with me a lot. I, I think I've shared this story with you before, but until recently, I guess it's been six months now, I was at a financial company. Yeah. And it just drove me crazy because like, I knew this is not where I belong. This is not who I am, you know? And, yeah. um, but I was grateful. I had to think about that a lot. Okay. God's provided for me and my family here a ton, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I am grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes perspective, you know? Totally. Um, totally. That, and, that attitude is helpful. So how did that, how did that shape you? So I also, well, go ahead and answer that. How did that shape you? How it's, whew, I mean, it's, it's just a constant battle. Like there are days I'm driving the school bus where I'm like, why, why am I here? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, like, you know, you know, doing the interviews, you talk to people, that are doing amazing things uh, and they're just so interesting. And then it's like, well, I got to go back and drive the school bus now. Yeah. Uh, you know, be harassed by a bunch of sixth graders. Um, <laughs> Which wasn't fun the first time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. I think we have a lot of false perspectives in the Christian world where it's like, 
God has made you to be this thing and dream. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with having dreams, but it, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in the Bible who has one, you know, mm. um, or who has an occupational goal. It's just something we've kind of made up to, to, I don't know, comfort ourselves. Um, yeah. So in well, my opinion, <laughs> it's a different world. Most of the Bible takes place in an agricultural society, society right. right? Or a rural kind of sheep herding society. So you didn't have a lot of choice. If you wanted to eat, you had to, you had to raise the sheep, right? Or raise yeah. the goats or, you know, plant a field. Um, we do have a choice. It's a different kind of, kind of it world. Is. I think that's where that comes from, but yeah. Yeah. We just, I think we spend a lot of time on that and try to build up that if yeah. you're not doing what, what you love yeah. to do, you know, but it's like, I may not love to drive a school bus, but God's providing for me and he's using me in this community. Um, so it's hard for me. How do you, how do you look at that and say, Oh, that's, that, that's not a good thing. Cause again, you know, a, an African migrant going into Europe would probably love my job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't have to be, you can be grateful and yeah. still not, um, and still have dreams, still have a place that you want to yeah. go. Right. Like there's, yeah. there is that. But there's um, no saying God's going to make me make you know, the truce podcast famous. You know, I've, I can't hold him to that standard of like, well, God, if you're real, you're going to, you're going to yeah. follow these things, you know, and make me famous and make this podcast make money. No, I mean, who knows what the, what his purpose is on this show. Um, like uh, bringing up Bobby, uh, our second film, the comedy, um, we did not do well in sales in the United States. Uh, we didn't do very well at all, but we were able to like break even, uh, mm. which sounds good, but, that means we, we weren't paying ourselves for years. Right. And so it's like breaking even isn't great because we're just back to where we started. Um, but uh, then this we get this email from our distributor and he says, well, would you be interested in having your film go to Brazil and be translated to Portuguese? But there's probably not any money in it. And we're like, okay, yeah, sure. And you know, we ended up, it was a lot of work to remove all the audio, like the dialogue out of the, the film so that um, we could get it down there and they could dub in Brazil, you know, uh, Portuguese. Yeah. And then we just forgot about it. Um, and then we get this email months and months later where we're like down in the dumps about how poorly our film was done. And in Brazil, they sold 40,000 copies in like, three months, uh, which amounted to very little money for us because of the exchange rate and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, well, but um, you know, this, this film that wasn't that popular in the United States in English was kind of a hit in Brazil and Portuguese. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and so you, I, I just wonder, like I, I'm, I'm like really excited in heaven to ask God what happened with that in, in Brazil. Cause I'll never know, you know? Yeah. Um, every time I meet somebody from Brazil, I ask them, have you seen this film? Anybody ever say yes? I know nobody has, no. uh, but I really want to meet somebody who has. Um, I love uh, it, and I haven't seen it in Portuguese because I, I haven't been able to figure out how to get it here. Um, but yeah, you know, God. Though though I was living with my parents, and it was very difficult uh, to be in your mid to late twenties with your parents um, and making no money and mooching off of them. Who knows what the Lord did in Brazil? Um, yeah. with, with that film. Um, yeah. And there's ways that, um, you know, I'm always reminded with missionary efforts, for instance, that we're seeing the fruit today of all the work that was done in the 19th century. 
right? Yeah, it's true. In uh, China and Africa and South America even. And so, you know, you may not, you may not see it, you know, now, but you might, we might see a hundred years from now or 200 years from now, something happened because you created a film, you know? Yeah. You never know. And that's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, again, support your Christian artists. <laughs> totally. Uh, all you people listening, you know, buy movies legally, you know, it's, you know, give money, you know, tip your podcast that you like, but, uh, but yeah, the, we have to be grateful as, as creators of media, you have to be grateful for just the opportunity to do it. Yeah, uh, totally. And the ability to do it, even if it means, you know, having to go drive a school bus. Yeah. So how, how'd you end up out there? Yeah. So after we made uh, bringing up Bobby, my brother uh, had always wanted to live in Wyoming. And, uh, and so he just up and moved and and kind of left me to distribute the film. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> uh but that's okay. Uh you know, and uh I would call him up uh all the time and be like, "You know, can you do this for the film?" He's like, "Ah, oh, I wish I could, but I'm going cross-country skiing today." I was like, oh, "Okay, I guess I'll do it." Um <laughs> so I came out came out to visit him and move him back to Ohio. Um and I almost like I landed at the airport here and I was like, "This is exactly where I need to live." Um, like I was just, I was at the airport. I hadn't even left the airport and I was like, this is where I need to be. Um, and, uh, kind of just fell in love with the town and I moved back and forth between Ohio and, and Wyoming, uh, a few times, but I, I was just fighting what needed to happen. Uh, I was having panic attacks because of the movies mm. and, uh, and I just realized it wasn't a sustainable model for me, um, to, to be able to, to keep to keep up that pace and to keep up the stress of having our own money on the line and um, all that kind of stuff, it, it wasn't feasible for us anymore. So, moved to Wyoming and I had to give up the filmmaking thing, which honestly was the best decision I've made in my life. Wow! Um, and uh, then focus my attentions, creative attentions, on writing a novel and starting a podcast. Wow! Uh, yeah, I love that. What did you learn about yourself or about God? through anxiety oh yeah you know i i I produced this episode of the podcast um uh, about hanukkah the series of hanukkah to go back to that where i say that the area in the bible that i go back to over and over again is the old testament prophets um Mm. for comfort if i'm if i'm in a time of doubt i go to the prophets which sounds bananas um (laughs) but uh no way man that's what they're all about Yeah, Good, yeah. that's what they're all about. If you know, I think a lot of people don't know. Where they just think those are the little books at the back of the Old Testament. But yeah. if you know what they're about, like I was reading Jeremiah today. Wow, there's some amazing stuff about God in there. There is, yeah. And so like when I read the Bible for myself all the way through in college, because I had to like stand up for my faith in these classes. It was like people are asking questions about the Bible. I got to know what's in the Bible. Um, so I, uh, read it for myself. I started seeing all these, that a lot of what we say in cultural Christianity is not a hundred percent true, mm-hmm. uh, that the, the Bible does reflect how the world works. You know, there are wars, there's disease, there's famine, there's inexplicable hard times. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the people of, of God are removed from their promised land by God. Um, <laughs> right. and, and it's not like those promises of God will always make your life easy that we hear in popular Christianity are nonsense. 
um, I think a lot of uh, how God used the Old Testament in a lot of ways to speak to me to be like, this is the way it has always been. And this is the way that I want the world to be so that people will see that they need me, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, and so that going through those kinds of times of depression, it was always like, it removed that idea from me that I was, an, I was not part of God's plan. You know, like that you can always feel like you're the exception. Like, again, you watch the behind the scenes on movies and how they're made and they're full of lies. Um, like <laughs> I can promise you those Sherwood Pictures films were not as much fun to make as they were, as yeah. they look like. You yeah, know, yeah. I promise you that there were days when they wanted to pull their hair out, um, but they didn't put that stuff in the behind the scenes. We put that in ours um, because we felt really like the world had to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh we see, we do this all the time. We put our happy memories on Facebook and we'd be like, we're like, this is how life really is mm -hmm. for me. And it's like, that's nonsense. That's not how life is, but it, it leads other people to think, Oh, my life's not as happy as theirs. So I must be doing something wrong or God hates me. God's punishing me for something. And it might be like, no, what you're experiencing is how the world actually works. You know, right. how the Bible, how the Bible actually lays life out. Um, and so seeing that and reading those, like the Old Testament prophets and reading, uh, I mean, even you think about it, Christ's job, one of his jobs on earth was to die on a cross. <laughs> right. You know, like he wasn't, he didn't come to earth to like ride, out, ride around, be carried around on the shoulders of everybody who met him. He came to die on a cross. You know, so who am I to think that my life is all going to be roses? You know? Yeah, I always go back to the fact that even Jesus asked God to not do what he want, what he was called to do. Yeah, right. Like he, he was. He said, "Hey, if there's any other way, let's do that." And yeah. that was not God's will, and so he was committed to following God's will. But he wanted it. You know, that's yeah. that's interesting. And so, if even Jesus feels that way, I think we can expect to also feel that way. Absolutely. Amen. You said it's so much nicer and more succinct than I. <laughs> no, it was good. You, yeah. you inspired the thoughts. So. Oh, okay. This is why my show is heavily edited, and yours doesn't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> I do a little editing, but not a lot. I try. Yeah. I like. I really value the conversation, and uh, but yours. Uh, so I'll just want to talk about that a little bit because. Oh, Truce, I do. I really, I mean it. I'm not just uh, blowing smoke when I say yeah. your show is becoming one of my favorite shows because I love the yeah. way you do the storytelling. We were just yeah. talking a little earlier about how you kind of take one story and then you'll kind of go a different direction and then you'll weave the two together to create another story. It's a really cool way of telling a story and it's yeah. engaging. Um, and I love your mission. So we've talked about it, I guess, a little bit here back and forth, but man, this idea of just trying to trying to get the church to think a little bit differently about the culture yeah. wars, time out, time out on the culture war. Let's, let's yeah. maybe stop thinking about that and start thinking about the gospel and how we can love people. Oh, amen. I love that. Yeah. Praise God. I mean, it's, it's been a godsend. I've loved doing it. Um, and it's, it's great to be able to research and, um, and tell stories that illustrate these points that we as Christians just struggle with because we do want to create, we do have an enemy in the devil, but we always want to create all these other enemies. And if we can just press pause and be like, no, those guys just need Christ. That's what's going on. You know, yeah. um, if we can focus on the things that are really important, uh, we'll be a lot more effective, I think, as Christians. Yeah. So I think one reason that, that, that your show is really interesting to me is because I'm in this season right now of 
kind of stripping off some of the things that we've inherited culturally yeah. and um and historically and so you know for for some that's that's like a a puritanical kind of view of righteousness uh-huh. um and sin which which just feels so weird to actually redefine for myself because I feel like oh am I not you know biblical well no yeah. I take sin seriously but I also see that God took care of sin and so there's a you know like so there's got to be this kind of shedding yeah. of the the constant guilt and um there's also this whole and you mentioned this earlier the whole uh eschatology thing that we inherited from when dispensationalism came in a, a hundred years ago or so yeah. uh you know like that's that actually is a huge part of the Christian culture you know yeah. um and we're all kind of burdened by it even the whole idea of heaven and hell the way that we talk about it eternity doesn't look anything like that in yeah. in uh in scripture. And so that's a thing that has to go. And even the atonement um, for me has been a very interesting little, little journey to think, Oh, maybe there are other options here yeah. that are more historical than the ones I was given. Um, but it's tough. It's a, it's a dangerous, well, not dangerous. It feels dangerous, thing, but it can be a little dangerous because you have to, you have to do it in a way that's not trying to be offensive and not trying to like find loopholes you can sneak through. Um, but it's important to go through and be like, culturally, what are we believing that's not actually in the text? And it's right. it's a great exercise. I mean, even if you start to, it'll make you rethink things like Christmas and Easter yeah, um, and why we celebrate those the way we do or the layout. Why is a church building the way it is? Why do we do church the way we do? Mm-hmm. Um, which are good questions, but you don't want to like, <laughs> don't be a, like a wrecking ball in your group of friends right. or in your church. You know? <laughs> well, it is interesting. And yeah, you know, we've had people on this show before. Like I think of Richard Jacobson from unchurching. Uh, I think he was like episode 15, which was seems like a long time ago. Now that's over a hundred episodes yeah. now, but you know, he's asking those questions about the church. Like, why do we do it this way? And that kind of led him on his journey. And so we're not alone. Like there's other people asking these kinds of questions. Right. Um, that's good. Wow. Um, dude, tell us more about truce and what, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, what, like what you hope people get out of that. Right. Yeah. I, um, th- this is the part where I sound a little nutty, but, um, I, my main concern with the Christian world right now, at least American Christianity is that we're tying ourselves to a lot of things that we don't want to be tied to, um, with like just politically, socially mm-hmm. things that are not biblical, um, but we're just trying to we're trying to make the United States pretend like it's a Christian nation when it's not a nation of Christians. Um, right. Even people, even people like go around to your church and, and just ask people basic questions about Christ and they probably won't know them. You know, uh, we, we have a lot of, of us who are culturally Christian, but not acting, not actually Christ followers. Um, and so my hope is to try to have us focus uh, more on Christ and, and, and what our witness is because we're at a, like, I think a really important time in, uh, in the United States where we're, you know, if you're a Republican and you think that Christ would be a Republican, um, this is a, a time that you think is a great time in history. Um, but the problem is we know that politically we're going to change as a nation. We yeah. always do. Right. Um, there's a give and a take. And so when that pendulum swings again, and uh, people with more liberal mindsets are going to come in. They're not going to remember the Christians who are feeding the poor and taking care of the homeless and that kind of stuff. They're going to remember the Christians who were being awful uh, or who supported 
really bad politicians. Uh, yeah. That's that's the legacy we're leaving to non-believers, and so we're actually distancing ourselves from the people who need Christ. Uh, so my hope with the podcast is to draw people in and be like, listen, you know, shape up, focus on the gospel, and think through your actions a little bit, um, and and learn to hopefully learn to love your neighbor, which is you know one of the great commandments. Totally, totally. Yeah, I love that. I've been saying for a while. I I actually am kind of grateful for Donald Trump. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, policy-wise, there are some things that I like, but um, you know his character causes a lot of questions, right? And yeah. that whole thing is causing the church to have to wrestle with some things, right? To have to wrestle with, are we? Well, there's some people who are like all on board. You're <laughs> I'm right. A face uh, you you are. You you made this face that was like, <laughs> oh, dude, what do you mean, Eric? Um, but there are some people who are all on board, and some of those are Christian leaders. And there are some people who are who have gone the other way and said never Trump and we're not gonna we're not gonna be that way. Um, and I have some of those friends too. But I think for me, what it's what he's done is say is have to separate the two the, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the United States of America. The yeah. two things are two different. They're different. They have different interests. They have different. Right. They have different motives. And they have different aims. And uh, that's okay. And then I think that forces a choice. You know, Jesus is Lord is a political statement. And if Jesus is my Lord, then that means uh, I have to decide if I'm more allegiant to him or to the United States of America. And you know what? As a, as an American, it's hard to say, but I have, I have to go with the kingdom of God, right? That's. You have to. Yeah, you have to. And that's a, it's a big choice. Yeah. What's one of those deals? Like I wanted to write a novel about this actually, or, or make a movie, but um, what would Christianity look like in the United States if we were occupied by a foreign nation? Like if we got yeah. conquered in a battle, how many of us would lose our faith? I think a lot of quote unquote Christians in America would lose their faith if the United States were taken over by another country. Yeah. Um, because we're so tied to this country being God's country when we don't have any biblical promise of that. Um, and, uh, right. You know, we, we're so, we're so used to the idea that God has to bless us that if, if we end up going through a rough time, we'll just turn and run, you know, and we'll just walk away from our faith. And I, that breaks my heart that we're just not prepared. We're not prepared for the, the realities of how the world works. Yeah. And hopefully the show can prepare us in its own little way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it does. I think it um, definitely will cause you to think, friends. It'll cause you to to think about uh, the ways that uh, you see the world from a Christian perspective. And uh, man, I just Chris does a great job. It's a wonderful bit of storytelling um, every single episode, and they're not long, right? Like I think the one that you put out this week was ten minutes. So yeah, they're all over the place lengthwise. Yeah, yeah. So that and that's okay, but they're yeah. but so. But you'll be entertained the entire time, and he'll leave you wanting more. So, uh, Chris, I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, if I honestly, if I just ask for everybody's prayers, um, because it's it is difficult being a, a media producer um, and having a second job, and then also I take that that biblical call of like or biblical command that writer or um, teachers will be judged more harshly very seriously um and so it's just if you could just be praying for all the podcasters who are putting out stuff because 
it's 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 a real burden uh, mm-hmm. to be able to week after week teach something and to try to be theologically correct. So pray for the show and uh, and if you have a podcast topic you'd like me to talk about. Uh, find me on Twitter or on Facebook and, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Friends, uh, definitely, Chris, I always pray for you often and uh, we'll keep doing that. And uh, friends, you can find links to everything we talked about today at halfwaytherepodcast.com, including Chris's novel, Cradle Robber, his both of his films, Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls, and of course, his amazing podcast, Truce, which if you like this one, you're going to love his as well. Hope that you will go and check that out. Chris, thanks so much for being here and sharing a little bit of your story with us. My pleasure, Eric. Thanks for everything you do on this show and also on your Facebook group for podcasters. It's been a real encouragement. It's my pleasure. And it's been connecting with people has been one of the best things about doing this. Yeah. Awesome. 